Well, good morning. Happy Tuesday to you. Welcome to another edition of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network at 7 a.m. on this Tuesday morning, December 19th. I'm Adam Wright, and we've got the hour together, so let's make a, not just the most of it. You know, that, that sounds like, well, we're stuck together here for an hour. I hope we can make the most of it. No, let's have a great hour this morning. Let's let's really grow in holiness as much as we can in the next 57 minutes and that starts with prayer so we pray in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen O jesus through the immaculate heart of mary i offer you my prayers works joys and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, it's a wonderful Tuesday morning. It's our last Tuesday before Christmas, and uh, this time next week we celebrate the beautiful feast of St. Stephen. And, uh, you know, well, wow. I'll tell you this. Go to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. I can't remember if it was this time last year or the year before that we were talking about St. Stephen's Day and the martyrs and the holy innocents and uh, all of these things and, you know, these days that come right after Christmas, right? You know, we're spending all this time preparing for the incarnation during Advent. Prepare, 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 hope, rejoice, all of these great things, and then Christmas comes, and what do we start celebrating after that? Martyr, 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 martyr. And it seems like, wow, you you Catholics, you really know how to put the joy in Christmas. But there's some beautiful reflections on why we celebrate the martyrs so close to Christmas Day. And that's it's all out there on the Roadmap to Heaven podcast from last year. But today we're going to keep... Uh, we're going to keep with our Advent preparation. We've got a homily on letting us adore the King who is to come. We've got Monsignor Myler with us again for part two of our pilgrimage. We've got Father Zach Edgar talking about St. Lucy. This is uh, from a previous year as well. We're going to go back in time this morning and um, talk about a saint. We celebrated her feast day last week, but of course we had our, our winter uh Radiothon, so we we didn't do a show on St. Lucy's Day, but had we done a show on St. Lucy's Day, we would have talked about her. And uh, so Father Zach Edgar is going to be with us for that as well uh, with this replay of Roadmap to Heaven. Let's go to Mike Roberts because it is cold out there, friends, and it's probably going to be weathery. Uh, but I don't know what that weather is going to be. So let's go to Mike. He knows, and he'll tell us about our saint of the day. Today is the feast day of blessed Pope Urban V. Born in France in 1310 at the castle of Grisac, his baptismal name was Guillaume Grimaud, and he was the second son of the Lord of Belgrade. He had a sister and two brothers, one of whom would become a cardinal. After becoming a Benedictine monk, he was ordained into the priesthood in 1334. Guillaume earned a doctorate in law in 1332 and was named abbot 10 years later. He also served as a papal diplomat and bishop. In 1362, when Pope Innocent VI died, the College of Cardinals elected the brother of Pope Clement VI, but he declined. So they turned to Guillaume in spite of the fact that he was not a cardinal. Choosing the name Urban, he continued to follow his roots using the rule of St. Benedict and often wearing a monk's hat. Noted for his faith, intelligence, virtue, and honesty, Urban was a great gift at a time when the church in Europe was plagued by scandal and corruption. The fact that he lived in simplicity and modesty did not sit well with the clergymen of his time who had become used to comfort and privilege. 
Urban pressed for reform and restored many churches and monasteries. He brokered peace between the French and Italian kings, founded numerous universities, and oversaw the Crusades. Urban came close, but he was not able to achieve one of his biggest goals, reuniting the Eastern and Western churches. At the urging of St. Catherine of Siena, he returned the papacy to Rome, ending the Avion exile of the popes, which began in 1309. Shortly before his death, he asked to be moved from the papal palace to the nearby home of his brother, so he could say goodbye to the ordinary people he had so often helped. On this day in 1370, as he lay dying, he called to them, asking them to surround his bed, saying, the people must see how a pope dies. Blessed Urban V, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a great day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. A prayer for the holy souls. O Lord Jesus Christ, King of glory, deliver the souls of all the faithful departed from the pains of hell and from the bottomless pit. Deliver them from the lion's mouth, that hell not swallow them up, that they fall not into darkness, but let the holy standard-bearer Michael bring them into the holy light which you promised to Abraham and his seed. Amen. This week on Roadmap to Heaven, we're happy to be taking an Advent pilgrimage with the Blessed Mother, and our pilgrimage director is Monsignor John Myler from the Diocese of Belleville, Illinois. Yesterday, we began our pilgrimage at the church, the Basilica of the Annunciation, reflecting upon the Annunciation of the Archangel Gabriel to Mary. Uh, Monsignor, I I looked at the map of where we're going today, and... um, I have to tell you, this is a place I've never heard of, and I don't even know how to pronounce it, so I'm going to turn it over to you, our pilgrimage director. Sure. The place we're going today is called Ain Karim. We'll get on our bus, (laughs) we'll load up, we'll go uh, into the hillside outside of Nazareth, and there, um, uh, some distance away in the bottom of a small valley, is the town of Elizabeth and Zechariah where they lived in their old age. It was to this place that Mary came and stayed for three months. St. Luke tells us, when the angel departed from her, Mary set out in haste and traveled into the hill country to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And in this hill country right now, we can stand in the shrine of the visitation of pilgrims from as early as the 400s and 500s would come to this place, the place of the visitation, the birthplace of St. John the Baptist, and see the ancient carvings in stone that say, this is Zechariah's house. It was turned into a church by pious believers, a house church, as many of the first Catholic churches were. On the inner walls of this great church of the Annunciation, we can see frescoes by the Italian painter Della Torre, a fresco of Mary traveling into the hill country, a fresco of the, that moment of the greeting between Mary and Elizabeth, Uh, a fresco of Zechariah offering the incense uh, in the temple, and, of course, beautiful then uh, 
fresco of Elizabeth holding her infant son, uh, John the Baptist. And if we take our ambling and walk outside of the basilica in the courtyard, on the walls of the courtyard of the Church of the Visitation in 41 different languages is the prayer of the Magnificat. 41 different languages from around the world. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, in which Mary sings not her own praises, but the praises of the Lord and all that he has done. He has done great things for me. He has mercy. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud. He has cast down the mighty. He has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent empty away. Mary proclaims this great Magnificat here in our town of Ain Karim because the kingdom of God was so close. The kingdom of God was as close as the infant in her womb, and there was uh, his precursor, John the Baptist, uh, in the womb of Elizabeth. That is how close we are here in Ain Karim to our salvation. And so in this holy spot, making our pilgrimage with Mary these days, we should pray, Our Lady of Advent, pray pray for for us. us. Monsignor, this is a wonderful visit on our pilgrimage here, and I am grateful for this reflection. You're welcome. Prayer to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. O Mother of Perpetual Help, grant that I may ever invoke thy most powerful name, which is the safeguard of the living and the salvation of the dying. O purest Mary, O sweetest Mary, let thy name henceforth be ever on my lips. Delay not, O blessed Lady to help me whenever I call on thee. For in all my needs, in all my temptations, I shall never cease to call on thee, ever repeating thy sacred name, Mary, Mary. Last week we celebrated the Feast of St. Lucy, and as we didn't have the show, we didn't get to talk about her. But she is one of my favorite saints, and I love this interview we were able to do in uh, prior years with Father Zach Edgar about St. Lucy. So let's go back in time right now here on Roadmap to Heaven. Welcome back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. This morning we are happy to be joined by Father Zach Edgar, a priest of the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. Always a treat when you can come to our studios. Father, so good to have you here. Glad to be back after a little while, Adam. Thank you. Well, today we celebrate one of the uh, great feasts of the month, the Feast of St. Lucy. This is one that goes back many, many, many years. And I remember first hearing about this feast day. Actually, oddly enough, watching a Rick Steves travel special on PBS, and they were at the church, and they were singing Santa Lucia, Santa Lucia, and a young girl processed in the procession with a wreath on her head and candles, not an Advent wreath. They were just plain white candles on sure. the wreath, processed in, and he was talking about it. And then being the uh, somewhat nerdy Catholic that I am, I'm like, i got to find out more about this. And this was in Sicily, I take it? I, I suppose. Yeah. It's, that was, you know, 20-plus years ago that I watched that. But let's talk about St. Lucy, and uh, for those who maybe did not watch that PBS special, 
<laughs> who who is Saint Lucy, Father, or who was Saint Lucy? So, well, I mean, is right. She's alive. She's in heaven. So, in the Roman canon, we have those two big lists of saints that we always go through, and the apostles and some of the early pope martyrs, etc. In the first list, and then the second list of saints in the second half of the Roman canon, we have your Agathas and Agnes and Lucy and Cecilia. So, Lucy would be. You know, as far as the calendar year goes, she'd be kind of the the end of the line. And uh, martyrdom is dated around around the year 300. May some say 304, so the very very beginning of the the fourth century. She's from Sicily, as we just mentioned, uh, the town of Syracuse. Of course, Sicily's not that um, big of a place, but I mean, her her cultus, her devotion, has been spread throughout Europe throughout the centuries, and even has survived the Reformation in some places that you would. Uh, now associate uh, as, uh, you know, largely Protestant places in Scandinavia, et cetera. But um, as we've talked about a little bit off air, you know, Lucia. So I, I said Lucia for a long time. I don't know if that's from Spanish influence or whatever, but it is Lucia, which is the where the Lux comes in, the word for light in Latin. But anyway, her name means light. And this is the darkest part of the year. We're about to come up on the winter solstice, the shortest amount of daylight. And uh, on that side of things, I think what what the Lord wants to give us in, in the liturgy in these days as we prepare for Christmas is that, you know, we know he's the light of the world. We know from John's gospel in John chapter one, that uh, the light will shine in the darkness. The darkness will not overcome it. The darkness will not comprehend it. However you want to translate that. And for all these virgin martyrs of the early church, you know, whether they're as young as 12 or 13 years old, like with Agnes, or we're talking Lucy's probably about 21 years old when she's martyred uh, the preservation of their purity and giving their whole life to God and helping the poor and all the other good things that they did in their lives as it's been relayed to us, that is how they bore the light of Christ um, in the world. And we should emphasize that, you know, within our own families, we should never take for granted, no matter how young somebody is, whether they're junior high or high school or whatever, they have an incredible capacity for God's grace and God's light and can have just as profound effect uh, as the oldest and wisest person you'll ever meet. And so we shouldn't sell our young people short, I think is a good point of emphasis today. Father, you, you mentioned these five virgin martyrs coming uh, with their feast days just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we think of our Lord. He is the bridegroom. We are the bride. The church is the bride. And I cannot help but think of a parable that our Lord teaches in the Gospels about the virgins and their lamps and having the lamps lit and ready for when the bridegroom approaches. And some were ready and some were not. And this just, let's just say it's, it's, uh, it's ringing some bells. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Oh, pun very much intended. Okay. Pun very much intended. I miss you. This time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like we were mentioning again in the ancient liturgy, there are in the old calendar, there's St. Bibiana, which used to be the patron of the patrons of the Cathedral of Los Angeles um, a long time ago. And then St. Barbara and St. Lucy and, and another uh, one whose name escapes me. And then on St. Lucy's feast day on the 13th, she shares it with St. Odilla. And both of them are patronesses of people with eye trouble. And uh, Odilla um, she was born blind. Uh, a lot of people pray both to her and to Lucy when they have trouble with their vision. And when Odilla, she was given up by her family because they were, her dad especially, it says, was so embarrassed that her daughter was blind, they gave her to the monastery. And when she was finally old enough to uh, ask for her own baptism when she was 13, at the moment of her baptism, God gave her her sight back on a natural level, including supernaturally too, obviously, in baptism. 
And uh, so the 13th is a huge day for Lucy and Odilla for us to pray for that light, not just for those who suffer physically from, you know, the dimness of the eyes or whatever you want to talk about. I can talk about that in my, in my own personal experience. I've had glasses since I was three and a half years old. But we do want to see clearly in the spiritual life. And we do want to walk in the light. We want to do all the things the gospel asks us to do. And, of course, that's going to necessitate one thing, the one thing that nobody wants to talk about, and that's the rejection of sin. In order to live in the light, you have to let all the darkness go. But it's important to remember that those are not equal things. Like, even scientifically, we know that darkness is the absence of light. Darkness isn't a thing. And when we talk about heat and cold, heat's a thing, cold is not. Cold is the absence of heat. Okay? Evil, has been said, is the absence of good. So all those things are in the same vein. Um, So we know who wins, but uh, we have to try to cooperate to the best of our ability with what God is calling us to, and we, again, often sell ourselves short about what our capacity for being light. Who am I to witness to somebody else? I'm a broken person. I have my faults. I have my past. The Lord wants to wash over all that. The Lord wants to obliterate that, and what a better literary uh, or even, you know, just the, the mental picture of light obliterating darkness. Indeed. I want to stop here and take a a very quick break, and then we'll come back. We'll continue talking about St. Lucy. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back in just a few moments. Prayer to St. Joseph. O St. Joseph, whose protection is so great, so strong, so prompt before the throne of God, I place in you all my interests and desires. O St. Joseph, do assist me by your powerful intercession and obtain for me from your divine Son all spiritual blessings through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that having engaged here below your heavenly power, I may offer my thanksgiving and homage to the loving fathers. O St. Joseph, I never weary contemplating you and Jesus asleep in your arms. I dare not approach while he reposes near your heart. Press him in my name and kiss his fine head for me and ask him to return the kiss when I draw my dying breath. St. Joseph, patron of departing souls, pray for us. Amen. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. This morning we're talking with Father Zach Edgar about St. Lucy. And before the break we were talking about, you know, the five virgins uh, that we celebrate in the month of December— who bring the light, and we were talking about darkness being the absence of light. And I, I think one of the things I often forget is when I think darkness, light, well, now it, it used to be you had to crawl out of bed and, and flip a light switch for the lights to come on, and immediately the room is flooded with light. But now I can just say, you know, hey, hey Siri, turn on the lights, and, well, the lights go on thanks to the miracles of modern technology. I forget that sometimes, though, in the darkness— we, we might not want to have that expectation that the lights are suddenly going to come on all around us, but if we see a light in the distance, and I think of so many sailors sailing by the light of the North Star, I mm-hmm. think of the, the great title we have for the Blessed Mother, mm-hmm. uh, Maristella, mm-hmm. and that, that it's all about moving towards that light, almost like a lighthouse or a beacon. It helps guide us. This is the direction to go. But when we talk about St. Lucy, she actually gives us a very practical example from her biography, you know, the, from her life story, that she gave away everything she had, mm-hmm. including her inheritance, mm-hmm. to serve the poor because of her faith. And, and the thing that precipitated that, uh, according to, you know, the hagiography, 
is that her mother was ill. Um, she had pretty serious um, issues. And so they made a little pilgrimage from Syracuse to a town that's probably about, it'd be on the coast of Sicily that's probably, uh, I think it's Catania or something like that, about 12, 13-hour walk, so probably a couple days walk, especially for somebody who's not well. And they said, if we go pray here at, uh, at this shrine, if we go to St. Agatha and ask for her intercession, she'll be healed. I know my mom will be healed. And that's exactly what happened. They got there, and the mother's illness was instantly uh, healed when they went there. And so as a matter of thanksgiving, what she asked her mom to do, because her mother was wealthy, like, I want to give my dowry, I want to give my inheritance away to the poor as a sign of thanksgiving to God for your healing. You know, Father, in the modern world, we don't think twice about this. Someone experiences blessing and they say, I, I just, I'm so moved by the gift I've been given. I want to give gifts to everyone and, and no one raises red flags. However, with Lucy, this is a different story. I mean, her fiancé that she's engaged to is very angered by this, and um, he does not react well. No, and he turns her into the the local Roman authorities saying this person is a Christian because now he doesn't have anything to lose, you know, financially. So the Roman authorities want her to obviously sacrifice to the gods and all these other things, and she's not going to do that. And uh, she mentions how important her Purity is, her life is, and say, okay, we're going to send you to a brothel, and they're unable to physically move her, the the legend goes. Um, and so they try to do other methods of torture to her uh, since they can't, you know, remove her and send her away to the brothel and all these other things. And they eventually, uh, one of the images in Sacred Art is her neck being pierced by a sword is the thing that finally worked among all the things that they tried to do because the Lord would not let harm come to her to show that his power is stronger than any of these other people that think they have power. And so she did give her life again, probably about 21 years old. So just to think, like all the young people that we know with all the virgin martyrs, uh, we, we do need to pray for, for purity in our sex-saturated culture, especially for young people. And uh, those addictions are beginning at younger and younger ages. Any confessor will, you know, be able to unfortunately talk about those realities, but uh, we need to realize that we need to give all of our families at any age, you know, beyond the age of reason, all the grace that they can possibly stand. And um, what better reminder that uh, it's going to cost us something, sure, right? Because it's not going to make sense to the world. That's a very important point, because I think, in, especially in the time we live in, and this is a term that maybe has crept up in the last 10 15 years, but has been going on for a while, is the preaching of the quote-unquote prosperity gospel. Oh, that if, if you give to the church, if you give to the Lord, then he will then give more to you. And, and that's a sign of you being blessed and you being in God's favor. If you're in God's favor, you'll get financial reward. And the Catholic Church has always said, no, 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 this is not the case. You know, financial wealth or, or well-being is not a sign of favor. There are plenty who suffer. There are plenty who struggle in life who are favored by God. And often, uh, if you really want to be close to the Lord amid his people, go to the poor and the brokenhearted. And that's where it will be very easy to find Christ dwelling among us. So the call from St. Lucy is not give everything away and then have abundant blessings heaped upon you. It's really this question of, are we prepared to give everything away, even if that means our life, mm -hmm. out of love for Christ? And... Um to, to echo what you're talking about, about giving everything away, I would say anybody that I've known that's done any kind of missionary work will tell you in any third world country, Haiti, whatever you want to say, the people you meet there, even though they materially have nothing, they're some of the happiest people you meet. Now, they're in abject poverty, for sure, and we want to help them and we want to give them the means to um, 
you know, doctors and all the things they don't have access to, uh, for sure, we want to do everything we can in our generosity to help our brothers and sisters across the world. That's our duty and charity. But they're not unhappy because they don't have the the wealth and the stuff that we have here. And we can't take any of that with us anyway, you know? So the witness of being able to say, all right, you know, at the end of the day, I can lay everything down and have a clear conscience. I'm not going to let this stuff have ownership of me, which is, if you want to get into the materialism of this time of year is a good point for reflection for all of us. Like, do I really need whatever my quote unquote Christmas budget is for gifts and everything? Is that a necessary thing? Is that something I've imposed on myself? Is somebody else pressuring me? Like, what's going on there? Because at the end of the day, Christmas can't be about stuff, right? I know it's a different homily for a different day, but for the, for the witness that Lucy is giving, for the light that we're called to give to other people, and including young people. Young people can bear incredible witness to the faith and continue to do so. John Paul II was so beautiful in all of his, all of his visits all across the world to always reach out to young people and say, you know, you're the light of the world. Don't be afraid. You know, stand up against these things. And sometimes, like the parable of the seed, you know, sometimes that springs up really quick and people are on fire and then it goes away just as quickly. But we want to get that seed in that good fertile soil that endures so that when we are called and we are in the midst of a time of persecution, which this is pretty hostile environment these days in a post-Christian world to what we really believe, uh, we need people of all all ages to stand up for what's true and what's right and what's worth fighting for and what's worth dying for. And we need the example, even if it's even if it's 1,700 years ago, we need the example of a Lucy because that same type of demands are being placed on our young people today. We need heroic virtue, period. We Indeed. need heroic virtue. Indeed. You know, I, I think of... Last Christmas, there was this big question, what does everybody want? And of course, now with the kids getting older, my parents, my wife's parents, can you send their Christmas lists? And it seems earlier and earlier every year that they want that. And that, not that there's anything bad with grandma and grandpa getting the kids gifts for Christmas or the parents getting the kids gifts, the kids getting their friends gifts. I'm not trying to knock gift giving, but I've kind of gotten to this point in my life where I'm out of room in my house. I don't need stuff. And I just, last year in particular, the, the things I wanted most were to be with friends, to be with family. I don't want people to take for granted those moments of being together. You know, my wife and I, were we've been talking about what Mass we're going to for Christmas now for two months, mm-hmm. because we want to make sure that that is the focal point that is the priority, and it's not something we just fit in because we need to have dinner here and we want to open up this on Christmas morning, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we want to build everything on the 24th and 25th around that pivotal celebration, the celebration of the Mass. So I think the challenge for our listeners, it sounds like, is one, don't be afraid to give radically to build the kingdom of God and to bring his light to the world. And we're not just talking financial. We're, we're talking exemplary. We're talking about giving example. We're talking about standing up for the truth. We're talking about aspiring to grow in holiness. And two, as cliche as it sounds, keeping Jesus as the reason for the season. The way we pray, or the way we say we pray, and the way we believe has to affect the way we live, being the end. That, that has to be it. And we have to ask for the grace to do that. In your vocation and my vocation, if we try to do it self-sufficiently, we're going to fail. So we need the saints on our side. We need our family in heaven. We need we need each other here on earth to, you know, kind of call each other to task and say, you're never in this alone. And that's the beautiful thing about light, right? Because it goes everywhere. 
wherever we need help, it can come to us. There's not an impossible situation that God can't get to. Uh, May we be like Lucy. May we bring that light to the world. Let's start right now in this moment. If we haven't started already, Father, could I ask you to lead us in prayer for that? Sure. Heavenly Father, we ask you as light of all nations to give us the graces that we need each day to respond faithfully to our station in life, to do all that you've asked of us, to do it selflessly, to carry our cross in union with you, and to do all of this in joy. May you be our light this day and always. We ask this in all good things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, Father Zach Edgar, I want to thank you so much for being with us in the studio today. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Prayer for the Gift of Prudence Jesus, artful master of parables, your prudence eluded the hypocrites. Your actions were known before creation, displaying all the wisdom of your prudence. Eternity must have attended to minutia, being prudent in your best interest, You considered all potential consequences, securing the outcome of your earthly life. Grant me the prudence to always be cautious and sensitive to the basic needs of others. Jesus, you have shown great foresight. Prudence truly originates from your being. Amen. Last week, Friday, we wrapped up our daily dose of encouragement, talking about the virtue of temperance in our Advent preparations for Christmas. And this week, as we talk about meaningful Christmas traditions with children, I can't help but think of one in our household where my mother for years has collected plush snowman figurines. And every year, my kids love going to her house and helping put out the snowmen. And while I question her temperance in acquiring the snowmen, one thing I do not question is the value of the time my children get to spend with her, putting them out each and every year. And Patty, you're going to help us with more traditions we can incorporate into our Advent preparations this final week before Christmas with our children. What is today's daily dose of encouragement? Okay, well, yesterday we talked about just making a manger with your kids. Today, again, I'm, I'm pulling a lot of these from my own experience of what have been the most meaningful things that we've done with our kids or that I did with my grandparents. And today's an easy one, but it's go Christmas caroling. Go Christmas caroling is an old tradition, but not many people do it anymore. And this is something you can incorporate with all ages in your family, and that's why I love it. The best Christmas gift we ever gave to my grandmother when she was in her 90s, and she lived, I'll never forget it, at Village North Retirement Center. The best Christmas gift we ever gave my grandmother was giving a mini concert at Village North Retirement Center and assisted living and nursing home. It was the best Christmas gift we could ever give her. It was all of us together. The kids were playing the piano. Some of us were singing. We just did an old-fashioned sing-along, and it was truly memorable. But I also remember my kids going Christmas caroling with the Scouts, which was beautiful. And then they carried this over even when they were in high school. When my son was in high school, a group of boys, they went Christmas caroling and then they gave the money to Birthright. I'll never forget that. And I thought that that was one of the best corporal works of mercy that they could do. Go Christmas caroling, bring joy and light and laughter and music to people that are in nursing homes. Or again, we've talked about doing something for your neighbors, literally on your own street. Just go out one night, your family, gather the neighbors and say, let's all go Christmas caroling on the next street over. And then have a bonfire or whatever it is. But going Christmas caroling, singing those songs, which really are religious, beautiful songs, and having fun, 
those are the memories that I think we can all do. They're easy. They don't cost anything. And those memories can last a lifetime. And you could even sing Have Yourself a Virtuous Little Christmas that we learned about last week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. But, Patty, seriously, Christmas caroling is a beloved activity in our family as well. And I cannot thank you enough for inviting us all to rekindle this tradition or to keep it going if we're doing this in our families already. Thank you for this Daily Dose of Encouragement. Well, I hope you have enjoyed our broadcast this morning here on Roadmap to Heaven. I have to tell you, I am really, really, really excited about Seek 24 because, well, it's going to be a time of great prayer. It's going to be a time of great fellowship. It's going to be a time of great study, a time of great learning, a time of just being great to be Catholic and while there are limited spaces remaining for the conference, and you can check that out at seek.focus.org, I do know this. For, for those of you in the great swath of our listening area from the Archdiocese of St. Louis, there is an opportunity to come on Wednesday evening for Eucharistic Adoration, and it's free of charge. There's no cost. You just have to RSVP. To do that, you go to the Archdiocesan website, archstl.org slash seek archstl.org slash seek there's a reception you can register for that we'll be at we'll be uh, we're proud to be hosting that and working with the archdiocese to make this event possible and uh, then you come for that you you come for the keynotes and eucharistic adoration it, it goes from good to better to best as the night progresses great fellowship with friends great keynotes and, and formation and then great time of adoration with our Lord. Now, for those of you outside of St. Louis, if you're going to be there, please stop by our booth on Mission Way. We're going to be at booth number 133. As you walk into Mission Way, you'll see us. We'll have a giant uh, multimedia display screen, and I mean giant. This thing is just like mind-bogglingly huge, but it, it it's cool, and you, you can't miss it. That's the number one point. You can't miss it when you walk in the doors from the main corridor. Just look to your left, and, and you'll see us there. And please, come by and say hello. I love meeting you. I love every last opportunity to shake your hand and say thanks for being a listener. It comforts me. It brings me joy to know that you're out there trying to become a saint and that you allow us to play a part in that in your daily life here on the radio. So please stop by. Patty Schneier is going to be there with me, a couple other friends from Covenant Network, and we'd love to meet you. We'd love to take a picture with you. We'd love to just get to chat and find out who you are and, and how your life is going and how you're growing in holiness. And who knows, maybe we'll play some catequiz together or uh, well, maybe you might even end up on the radio with, depending on things, how things go. You never know at these events. You never know. But either way, it would be great to see you. Please come by and say hello. Later this week on the show, we're going to wrap up the year of Roadmap to Heaven with Roadmap Roundup on Friday morning. It's our final broadcast before Christmas, and we're going to get into some great Christmas and Christmas traditions with family and keeping the holy in the holiday. So tune in for that on Friday. Tomorrow, we've got a wonderful opportunity, especially for the men, to learn about Exodus 90, which, spoiler alert, starts a week and a half. From tomorrow, and you're going to want to tune in for that. And then Thursday, would you like to learn more about the Old Testament prophets? You're going to want to tune in. Dr. John Bergsma from the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology 
will be with us on Thursday. Let's give thanks to God for today's show. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love the way one of our uh, previous archbishops here in St. Louis used to refer to the Blessed Mother under the title Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Guadalupe, Empress of all the Americas, protector of the unborn, and patroness of the new evangelization, star of the new evangelization. Let's go to her this week as we continue our Advent preparations. And here's a dad joke for you to round out the hour. What color vestments did Father wear on Sunday? If you said rose, you're correct. Why rose, not pink? Because Jesus rose from the dead. He didn't pink from it. But um, chink. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network this morning. I'm Adam Wright. Don't forget to pray your rosary today.